Today is Wednesday, January the 17th, and you're listening to the Hinterviews podcast, hosted by National Arts Centre English Theatre Artistic Director, Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre, and coming to you from the Panorama Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Laura Denker. Welcome to the NAC English Theatre podcast and to a series we call The Hinterviews. In each episode, we hope to take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage. In today's Hinterview podcast, Peter interviews writer Gloria Montero, playwright of Frida Kay, which she wrote as a birthday present for her daughter Allegra Fulton over a decade ago, and which is being revived in an NAC English Theatre production as part of the 2006-2007 season. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the National Arts Centre. Uh, my name is Peter Hinton. I'm the Artistic Director of English Theatre. And I'm very, very happy to introduce to you this afternoon, uh, all the way from Barcelona, Spain, uh, Gloria Montero. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, Gloria, and then... We're going to chat a bit about the play, Frida Kay, about her as a writer, and then we'll open up the floor for you to ask questions of her that you might have, and uh, then we'll make sure we'll get you into the show on time, so you can see it this afternoon. Okay, now, Gloria Montero is like an international project unto herself. <laughs> she grew up in a family of Spanish immigrants in Australia's North Queensland, and after studies in music and theater, she began to work in radio, and that's what brought her to Canada, where she continued her career as a singer, a writer, a broadcaster, a scriptwriter, and producer of radio and film documentaries. She's the co-founder of the Center for Spanish-Speaking Peoples in Toronto and served as its director until 1976. Following the success of her book, The Immigrants, she was invited to act as a consultant on immigrant women to the multicultural department of the Secretary of State for the Government of Canada. And she organized international conferences in 1970, 1974 in Toronto to support and make known the democratic Spain that was developing in the last years of the Franco dictatorship. In 1976, at Bethune College, York University, uh, she wrote Spain, 1936-76, to 76, The Social and Cultural Aftermath of the Spanish Civil War. And in 1978, she made Barcelona her home, where she's reported as a correspondent for the CBC Radio's The Arts Report. Uh, she has written poetry, a cycle of prose poems called The Letters to Yanez, Somewhere in Ex-Yugoslavia, and uh, Frida Kay. Uh, her play premiered at Toronto's uh, Fringe Festival in 1994, then moved on to the Tarragon Theatre, and it has toured since that time around the world, playing in the United States, uh, Mexico, across Canada, in Spain, Czechoslovakia, Germany, England. No. No. <laughs> but it's a good idea. It's, it's a, a very good, good idea. idea. Czechoslovakia, yes, yes. It's still running in Prague. Okay. And uh, her other plays include Baggage and It Takes Two, 
And she is the winner of the 2003 Premio de Relato, Relato? Relato. Relato uh, Prize for Ménage à Trois. And it's uh, a short story, and it's the first time uh, that prize has been awarded for a short story in English. So that is a little taste of Gloria Montero. And Gloria, welcome again to the National Arts Center. I'm really happy to be here. Right on. Um, there's a famous story about Frida Kay in that uh, the play was written as a birthday gift for your daughter, Allegra. Do you want to just tell yep. us a little bit about that story? Okay, Allegra was having a special birthday. I came, I was the only one in the family who was able to come, and I came laden with presents. And I was sitting on her bed that morning and giving her all these things, and I thought, I really wanted to give her something that hadn't been bought in a store, you know? Yeah. Um, and I found myself saying to her, but darling, my real present for you is a play I'm going to write for you. And she was really happy, and she said, what about? And I had no idea, because honestly, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it then. And I thought if I say, well, I'm not sure, it'll all sound a bit ephemeral, you know, and it sounds as if it's made up. What an idea. So uh, I found myself, and I, I swear to you all, I really hadn't planned this. I hadn't thought about doing anything on Frida Kahlo. And I found myself saying, it's about Frida Kahlo. And she was delighted, and, and then I had to do it. Now, there was a little <laughs> bit of background to this. Quite a number of years before, uh, a very close friend who was a, a Chilean painter, a very well-known Chilean painter, Rosé Bru, uh, had done a big exhibition in Mexico, and her work was kind of based on the life and the work of Frida Kahlo, eh? who at that time was really not known outside of Mexico very much, certainly Latin America, not. And when she gave me one of the works, and I remember she said to me, this is a painter for us. This is someone you really have to learn about. And truly, at that time, I had no idea. I'd never heard the name that I remembered, Frida Kahlo. I knew about Rivera, but I didn't know about Frida. And, and Rosé talked to me about the duality in, in Frida, you know, being a child of the, the New World and yet being very much tied to Europe through her father, who was a German Jew, an immigrant to Mexico. And uh, I did read about Frida, but never thought, I, I, you know, I didn't do really deep, deep stuff. And, uh, but anyway, after I promised this to Allegra, uh, I had to do it, you know. And after about three or four months, I was completely blocked. First of all, I thought, who, the, you know, who do you think you are uh, doing this? This person lived not such a long time ago. I had met a number of people who had actually known her, a very complex character. And I thought, you know, how can I get a take on this person and try to present it as something that might have been? And, but I had promised it, huh? and so I, it, it was a little bit traumatic yeah. for me. And then one day I was in a bookstore, and one of those magical moments that happens to you, just leafing through books, and I opened a book, and it was quoting Virginia Woolf, of all people, saying, one is entitled to try biography if you're prepared to deal with at least six or seven of the at least 
2,000 personages that live inside every person. And that liberated me. I thought, fair enough, you know. And, and, and so I went ahead and did it. Wow. Well, thank God you did. Wow. What, the thing is, I often feel I wrote the play long before the movie. Uh, and, and, of course, the movie catapulted Frida right into the public domain and what we call Frida Mania took, took over, the whole cult thing. If I hadn't written the play when I did, I doubt I ever would have written it. Why uh, is that? Why do you feel I, that? I feel really uncomfortable with the, the Frida cult. I admire Frida very much, uh, not uh, without, you know, qualms, I, not without uh, yeah. wanting to question things. I, I don't just see her as being all marvellous. She was much too complex and, and really too real for that. Um, it's an I, incredible thing, isn't it? Like when you consider in her lifetime uh, that she felt not recognised in Mexico. Well, you know, it's interesting too because uh, as a feminist, and obviously she was, you know, a natural feminist, um, she bought the, the uh, current, you know, art theory that like what a woman would do or women's topics were not as important. She bought that and she really suffered because of that. She's always talking about her little paintings and she isn't talking only about format. Yeah. She's talking about comparing them to Rivera who was doing like the big, the political stuff, the, you know, and she really felt herself to be like not so important. It, that's an interesting thing. Also, I think with Frida, for me, to understand her, you've got to place her in a historical perspective. And I feel a lot of the people who get all hep on Frida don't do that. For instance, it wasn't only Frida who was that kind of a bold, uh, progressive, bigger-than-life person. Frida belonged in Mexico to a group of artists. We know about the Bloomsbury group. In, in England, we know about the surrealists in Paris. Well, in Mexico, there was a group like that too of, of men and women, artists, poets, painters who lived off each other, you know? They, in all sorts of ways. Uh, free love, all those things that were exploding at that time, they felt themselves to be outside the bounds of, of the normal cultural restrictions, if you like, you know? And Frida was part of that. I think you've got to place her in that. The affair with Trotsky. It's interesting to remember that Trotsky was there. But what was going on in Russia at that time? Trotsky was really a wandering Jew. You know, he'd had to leave Russia. Stalin was there. Stalin and Trotsky. You know, people were really trying to kill Trotsky all over. Diego was there. Diego had been thrown out of the Communist Party. Then Diego Botra. You know, you've got to deal with the historical perspective to understand this woman. Uh, I don't pretend that what we do in Frida Kay is absolutely the absolute definitive Frida Kahlo. Who knows? We should be so lucky. It was a little bit like... I don't know, this is a good way. This perhaps reflects badly on me, but try to understand what I mean. Like when you paint by numbers, 
you know, one to two to three, because there were givens in her life. I couldn't change the facts of her life. They were there. They'd been established. They'd been lived. So what I had to do was find a way of trying to understand what brought this character from one to two, to two to three, and do it like that. There's a, a, an Argentinian writer, Ricardo Piglia, who, when he was talking, I think he was talking about short stories, and he said there are always two stories. There's a top story, and there's a story underneath of what really happened. And I often think with Frida, with Frida Kay, the, the story, the top story was set. What I had to do was try to understand how it happened and write the bottom story, you know. It's interesting because how one interprets those events, it's very true that there are things that are set, there are things that happen to her that are undeniable. However, in directing this play many times, researching it again and again, it's very interesting to look at the painting books about her and very different interpretations of why she did this, what this painting meant. You know, um, you get uh, curious things, like in the painting that she did called My Birth, in which she's literally painting her birth, and there's her poor mother, laid flat, lying flat out in Frida's head, <laughs> popping out. Pum, pum. One, one, one book from the 1950s reviews that painting and says, mysteriously, a severed head lies between a woman's legs. <laughs> and you go, well, uh, it's called my birth, guy. Uh, but it points to your point about her putting intimate women's experience as the subject of painting at a time when it was unheard of. So this guy looks like well, this is some surreal painting. Or, yeah. or the, the controversy about whether her last painting was Viva la Vida, A Still Life of Melons, which some people say, you know, and others that say uh, it was a painting called Stalin Heals the Sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 she was a very complex uh, woman. But you think about her. She lived through all of the, the, the dynamic mm-hmm. moments uh, that she was alive, and, uh, you know, the Mexican Revolution, you know, the Russian Revolution and its aftermath. Uh, she lived through the, the Second World War. Uh, you know, she, she was really quite something. And although I do believe, and if you read things that she said about herself, she did unfortunately buy. She wasn't lucky enough to have lived a little bit longer like a lot of us women who are alive now have lived and we've been able to all get together and have sort of realized that as women, our interests, having babies, uh, our bodies and that are not bad. They're quite important. She hadn't quite, she didn't have that kind of backup. And, and, uh, but even so, within her lifetime, Diego did believe in her work. And Picasso said... He'd never really seen a face until he'd seen her portraits. Wow. You know, so I mean, there were people around who knew something that, you know, she, it, it wasn't all, it didn't all come later. But it's interesting eh? because, you know, it did take time for her to be known uh, I generally. Think, I think that's a great thing to be reminded of, particularly now in an age of Frida Kahlo calendars and postcards and. You know, it's like we were laughing last night. Uh, 
because, you know, with an opening night of a show, gifts and tokens are exchanged as a good luck thing. And people are giving out Frida Kahlo tattoos, Frida Kahlo dolls. Free, like, we're going, what would Frida have thought of that? She would love it. <laughs> she would love it. She would absolutely love it. I must say here, too, that it's really... It's, it's a great privilege. I'm, you know, I've been walking around the last couple of days around the theater thinking, this is the National Arts Center in Ottawa, you know, and, and they're doing my play with my daughter, and it's being directed by Peter, Peter Hinton, who directed, the, when we first started to do Frida, we worked on it together. Uh, Kenny Garnham, the set designer, was the same person. The lighting designer, Bonnie Beach, is the same person. What a tremendous thing. I might say that when we did the Spanish uh, version, the Spanish production, Peter was, uh, was brought to Spain to direct the Spanish production, which is quite different. Uh, quite, you know, I mean, uh, Frida is Frida. I think the, the language gives a certain, uh, a different weight to the thing. At that time, the actress, the Spanish actress, was older than Allegra had been uh, at that time. All these things give it, but so uh, Peter and I have done this journey together and it's, it's wonderful to be here with him again. And I think Otto is very lucky to have him now as artistic director here. Thank you. How was writing for, you've written a lot of different mediums of you've written for film, you've written for the stage, you've written poetry, you've written prose. What are the particular challenges, do you find, of writing for the stage that's different from... Oh, writing for the stage is lovely because you get to work eventually with other people and you have all that other wonderful creative input. Writing a novel, my, my image when I start to write a novel is and you you know you start on the first page and you know you've got 350 at least pages <laughs> and it's very lonely it's very lonely and i think the, the image i always have in my mind is of people that you hear who've been in jail and with a spoon they start to dig the tunnel and you know that some of them get out you know so that keeps me going <laughs> it's not really very different you have to you once you decide sometimes i think that I don't know. Maybe the subject matter. Not always, eh? Because sometimes someone asks you to write a play or you, there's a reason why you write a play. But uh, usually the subject matter will, will decide what you're going to write. And once you decide on, on the format, that will very often decide the tone. I don't know. I don't like talking about writing very much because I think... It, it's so easy to mystify it, to make it sound as though you're sitting there and a guardian angel comes down and you're illuminated, you know. Colleen, I would like that. Yeah. It's the old culito on the chair and sometimes you're there for four days and you don't do a damn thing. And, it, you know, you, you really want to just pack it all in and but you have to be there because the fifth day, maybe you'll do something and you only do it the fifth day because you've been there the other four days. It's very lonely, actually, writing a novel. A novel is a very lonely business. 
And poetry? Is there a, do you see a link between poetry and the stage? No. Um, I don't know. Poetry is... is it, I, I, I've written a lot of poetry. I, I wrote those uh, uh, prose poems, Letters to Yanis, somewhere in ex-Yugoslavia. I had been in Yugoslavia just after the Chernobyl uh, devastation. And there were no tourists there. My family had more or less said to me, you're nuts to go, because we kept hearing about the nuclear cloud being here and being there, you know. And then my son gave me orders, you know, as long as I didn't eat fresh fish and this and this and this. And I said, that's fine, I can live on white wine and, <laughs> and cheese or something, you know. For me. Anyway, it was a very special visit because there were no tourists there. And uh, I did have a wonderful guide, um, there were four of us in the group that we'd supposed to have been 40. And uh, it was so special. And then when the war began in Bosnia-Herzegovina, I, I was devastated. I thought, did I understand so little? You know, what, uh, what's been going on that I didn't, I never thought this could possibly happen in such a short time. And so I wrote these letters, these, these, these poems, which were eventually done uh, in an exhibition by a, a wonderful friend, a painter, Perisalinas, in a gallery where we covered all the paintings with just with old pieces of cloth, and I read the letters, and then we took the things off. Oh, it was a great success. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. If I work it out, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't know what the term... It, poetry is a very, maybe when you have to say something where you don't so much have that top level. I yeah. just thought of this now. But where it's the bottom level yeah. all the time. Maybe that's when, when it comes out as, as poetry. Yeah. Even though these, these poems were poems in prose. Uh, I don't know. Well, what are you working on now? What well, I just had a novel come out just uh, about a month ago. And, uh, and I have a new play that's going to be done uh, in the next few months in Barcelona. I am just starting a new novel and a new play. Wow. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> Scary. I have to get my, my spoon out again. <laughs> um. Do you know, when, when I was in Spain directing Frida Kay, I had directed it here in Canada and was invited there, and I'm directing the play, and I was going to go back after that trip to the Tarragon to do it there. It was just a coincidence. And I'm in Bar uh, Madrid, and I meet a, a director from the National Theatre, and it was a very, and he's very happy to meet me, and he says, uh, and what will you be doing in Canada? And I say, oh, I'm going to do Frida Kay there, and... He looks at me, big pause, and he says, Senor Hinton, you must find more than one play to direct. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And ten years later, I say to him, who says? I'll get it right someday. <laughs> oh, I laughed so much. Um, I'd like to open the floor for any of you that might have a question for Gloria. Something either about Frida Kahlo or about her life? Yeah. I learned last night uh, for your assistant director that the play is like a painting and also please the stage. And since you are the author, I wonder how did you instruct 
Darling, let me so, tell so you, sorry. nobody instructs <laughs> Peter Hinton. <laughs> His question was, the play, he felt the play filled the stage, was like a painting, and... How does that, how is that perhaps suggested in the text or? Well, you know, uh, I, in the text, I don't actually, well, you see, because Frida painted so much of her intimate world, her bed, you know, she was a lot of time in, in this small space, a lot of the things, her family, uh, herself, uh, you know, and the wheelchair is a part of her and the crutches are a part of her and all of this. All of these things come out in the paintings. What is wonderful about uh, what Peter and what Kenny Garnham have done, what the whole creative team have done, is they have also introduced uh, other elements from the paintings which very naturally huh, form part of everything. I mean, it's... It, it seems wonderful to me. It's just part of, of what, a greater expression of what Frida is, but very natural. Very natural. Yeah. Do we have any writings of Frida's? Did she ever? Do we have any writings of Frida Kahlo's? Was well, there, yeah. after a number of years, after I wrote the play, they published her diary, which is paintings and, and uh, you know, little poems and, and texts and things. Uh, so, so we do have those kinds of, of things. Yeah. One interesting thing, I don't know if I was saying to you the other day, that, you know, in, in London at the Tate Gallery, they mounted a, a, a really stupendous uh, uh, exhibition of Frida last year, the year before. And... and uh, David and I went, and what was really interesting was to see young people, I mean, really spending time looking at their things. And I have a lot of friends, uh, male painters, huh? who at the time that we did the play said, oh no, there's no doubt she was a fantastic woman, but she wasn't much of a painter, Gloria. You've got to realize that. And when I saw the... I never agreed with them, but when I saw that Tate exhibition with those things right up... And some of the works are quite big. Eh? They aren't all small. And I thought, like hell, she isn't, you know. And uh, no, 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 that, that isn't true. And I think the fact that her, uh, her work, now that she's known, her work... Uh, is, is becoming better and better known and better appreciated, uh, the work stands up. The work really does stand up, yeah. I came in a little late, so I'm not sure if you addressed this question, but Frida's father was a Hungarian Jew and her, her, her mother was Mexican. How do you think this uh, affected her identity? This yeah, well... So, sorry, the yeah. question was, Frida's father was a Hungarian Jew? and her mother was Mexican, and how did this uh, cultural exchange or uh, collision, how did that inform Frida? It, it was an important part of, of, of who she was, her own identity, and it was what I was saying before, that uh, this business, this important duality in her among all her other dualities, but uh, the fact that she was so much a child, a new world child, a child of the, 
uh, a daughter of the Mexican Revolution, you know, and, and they were all politically involved, you know. And Mexico became different then. You could be Mexican. Uh, you didn't have to be, like, uh, pretend, you know, you're, you're descended from a Spaniard. Um, she was tied very much to Europe. Her, her father came from Germany. His parents had been Hungarian Jews. He was born in Germany and, and uh, educated in Germany. Uh, this was very much, I think, a part of her. I think the fact that Diego really liked to, to be his little Mexican Indian. Huh? And she, there was this other, well, she says herself, there was this other Frida inside of her that he couldn't love at all. And she tried to tear the heart of that, out of that Frida that Diego didn't love. She couldn't do it. That's who she was. That's who she painted. Peter? Yeah. Uh, it's obvious your trade has become a part of you, but what was it that first drew you to, to this play? To me... Uh, well, I had been, uh, I had been, uh, what, uh, the question was what drew me to direct the play, and um, Allegra and I have been sort of colleagues for like 20, almost 28 years now, and we Watch, we they, because that reflects badly on me. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria was a teen mother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've always thought... <laughs> But Allegra and I were actors together. That's how we met. And uh, so and as I started directing, we, we really shared a, um, an idea about the theater, about how to create it. We shared a vocabulary about it, about contemporary work and classical plays. We enjoyed that. And so imagine, as wonderfully flattering as it is, any of you who perform getting a play by your mom, it's onerous, Right. She goes, oh my God, I have to do it. What if it's no good? <laughs> what if I don't like it? And so Allegra goes, she goes, you've got to help me. Oh my God. So that was a terrific uh, invitation that really came about. And, you know, after hemming and hawing and going, oh, we just went, we have to treat this like any project we would. And, welcome, and Gloria was fantastic. She would answer our questions, go, Good point, guys. Let's just that. Or, no, you're, no, no, you're not so smart as you think. This is here for this reason. And we really had to fight it out. It's a great challenge. Working with family, it's uh, It's, it's too much. Thing. It's difficult. I don't think I'd do it again. <laughs> but you can see, like, when Gloria arrived on this process, having seen this play over the world, Allegra's done this play hundreds of times. I said, how are you doing? She goes, well, my mom's coming tonight. I'm still nervous, you know? And what was my first reaction, the first show, and I've seen it a lot of times, and I've been moved, or I've been a bit mad because I didn't... uh, But when I saw the first night, and it was a sort of a dress rehearsal, I cried like a baby. I really did. I really did. It's a very special thing. Obviously, it's a very special thing to write a play and have your daughter do it, and do it so magnificently. And all the things I was saying about the creative team and knowing Peter so well. But it's, uh, it's a very special thing to write a play, and obviously you have, you lived with it for a long time, and you have an idea in your head. And you've got to let a lot of those things go because people don't always see it the way you see it. But to have it done on stage, such a stage as we have here, almost identical 
to what I envisage in my head, that's a very special thing. Mm. It's interesting too, you know, about Frida, because I was really introduced to Frida through this play, and so have read every book you can get, looked at all of the paintings, have been to Mexico, have seen her house, all of those things. Uh, last night, you know, I get a Gloria gave me a card of one of the paintings, which I've seen thousands of times, and I went, "Oh, that one! Oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it?" And I thought, "God, what's so interesting about those paintings? I never tire of looking at them. They never become, oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that. You know, I'm in, I, I, again. It demands I look at it again and consider it. And I find that that's true in the play as well. That there's her story is very, very compelling because um, there's both great suffering in it and enormous joy. I think. Uh, I think that that's the strength of of the production, and certainly it's what makes me feel good because I never, I don't see Frida as obviously there was a lot of suffering and da da da. I that's not to me what Frida is. To me, the key thing is that using devices that aren't always necessarily terribly honorable, uh, she decided who she was going to be. And that's who she was. And she had a lot of hurdles to get over. But it, it was a, it's a celebration. I see the play as a celebration. Right on. We have time for one more question. We'll take this one. Uh, we saw a previous production at GCTC yeah. and were impressed and moved by the, the work and the acting and the, and the production. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a uh, bigger budget, bigger set. It's lovely. Uh, what, what, what you is, there, is there a danger of losing something from the simplicity of production? The question is, moving it to a larger venue, is there a danger of losing some of the intimacy it had when it was mounted originally in smaller theatres. I, I honestly don't feel that. First of all, this particular theatre, it is the first time that we've done it in such a large theatre. I think it was done once in Spain in an 800-seat theatre. But um, th- this is a very special theatre that you have here. And although it's big, 900-seat, it's wonderful. I've been sitting up in the back row under the lip and you hear everything, the acoustics are wonderful, and you have a feeling that you're still close. Uh, I don't feel so. I feel the play, the production, perhaps Peter can, can answer this, but the production, uh, uh, I feel it's better, you know? It's not so contained. She's able, she's right out there, and Allegra, uh, the actor is, is, is quite wonderful. Her voice is fantastic. I... I, no, I, I would, I think I might suffer the next time I see it done in a 250-seat theatre, you know. But it's a very good question. We were very aware of that in remounting it, to not lose the intimacy, the feeling that you're in the room with her. But, you know, in our previews, the, 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 you pay your ticket and it's general admission. You just sit wherever you like. You don't get a reserved seat. And you see people gravitate to the front rows, and I'd go, oh, don't, don't, don't sit. It's actually, sit back a bit. It's beautiful when you can see the whole composition. Because it reminds you she's a painter. And that it's her in a world, in a space. It's not just about watching the nuances of her face alone. It's about seeing her together in that. So I feel it does both in this more. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, thank you very much for coming, and please join me in thanking again Gloria Montero for being here this afternoon. Thank you all. Thanks very much, and enjoy the show, those who are going. That's all for this Hinterviews podcast. I hope you'll join us again next month when Peter will be talking with Martin Julian, actor and playwright of The Unanswered Question. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. That's H-I-N-T-E-R-V-I-E-W-S at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on Hinterviews. Until next month, this is Laura Denker for Peter Hinton & Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa.